What's up, everyone? This is Mike, and welcome to the Social Justice, the New American Revolution. I'm your host, Mike. Uh, with me tonight is David. Say what's up, Dave. Hey, what's up, everyone? And tonight is a special guest, um, uh, a gentleman who reached out to us uh, not too long ago, um, said that he uh, heard, uh, heard a little bit of the show and um, kind of wanted to come on and maybe uh, use the platform to kind of uh, to, to address some things and kind of talk about some some stuff that happened in his personal life. Uh, I feel kind of honored that he showed up. Uh, what he's going to talk about is kind of like intense. And so I'm kind of like, this is like a, a formal caveat to this particular um, uh, podcast uh, that, you know, there's going to, there might be some uh, intense imagery that might be explained tonight. Uh from the perspective of somebody that um, has received something serious to ha happen to them. So we just want you to be mindful of that as we um, engage this conversation tonight. Um, but uh, it's a very it's a special night. I'm gonna let this man introduce himself, Mr. Philip Holland. How are you doing tonight, sir? Uh, I'm good, thank you. Thank you guys for replying to me and uh, having me and all that, I appreciate it. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so uh, we, we're doing a little bit of small talk. You're talking a little bit about the pandemic. Has it been kind of an issue for you? Um, well, for me, in, in different ways, probably not too different from other people. But um, for me, uh, I haven't I've been OK financially, but it's been more so uh, as far as just figuring out what to do. Um, you know, I have a daughter. She's two years old. Her name is Remy. Uh, she's been keeping me busy as two-year-olds, you know, do. <laughs> Besides that, like, you know, it's just been, the, the pandemic is actually part of the reason why I'm even telling the story. Uh, it was that, having the time, you know, being stuck in the house quarantining, because I was actually quarantining, like, seriously doing it, and having that time to think about, you know, my life and what I was doing or what I was meant to do. That, and then also watching George Floyd happen. Um, and, you know, it was obviously... And once I tell the story, you'll see it was I saw some parallels, you know, with that in my story. And that was about like probably the 15th, 20th time I've seen it happen since mine did. So uh, just, just watching that happen kind of just made me want to just tell the story and not, you know, want to keep it in or keep it private like I was for six years, six and, and a half years now. So, so that's so, what it was. Okay. Go on. Just to find what I should do. With my life. So, for folks listening in, um, basically, uh, this this, uh, this situation is uh, detailing um, uh, an incident of police brutality in which this gentleman uh, was lucky to escape with his life, and that's what I mean when I say we are privileged to have him on the show tonight. Uh, we're honored to have this man come on the show and uh, talk about his uh, his situation, and uh, you know, thanks again. I appreciate you coming on and being and wanting to even talk about this so I can understand how the pandemic's kind of like been like that kind of uh, vessel, so to speak, to kind of do some internal soul searching and kind of look yeah. towards like what what we can do and how we can be better people and like how we can kind of like be reach out in uh, in situations like this. Um, so I don't want to, you know, go too far off, uh, but. I want to ask, can you can you walk us through what happened that night and whatever detail you feel comfortable with? 
Yeah, sure. Um, actually, like when I tell the story, I get pretty detailed. So, you know, I actually don't want to take up too much time. So, you know, just let me know if I, you know, go on too long or if I should, you know, don't rush up. But um, oh, so I want to hear every detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. detail. So whatever makes it as uh, as explicit as possible. So the more they can understand why we have such podcasts and why we, you know, you are telling your story because the way it sounds is you're reaching out because, you know, recently things have not gotten any, to me, and any influence much better. So, you know, please uh, express yourself fully. Appreciate that. Um, So, so this was April 22nd, 2014. I was, at the time, I had graduated high school three years ago, 2011. I was delivering pizza. I got in the pizza delivery job. Uh, this is at 6th Entry in Philadelphia. Um, and I was delivering pizza for them. I was also working at the airport at this bakery. And I was going to school, taking one class at the time. So, and a couple of online classes, but one physical class. So that day in particular was pretty normal. Um, I woke up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, worked 5 to 12 at the bakery in the airport. Uh, I had an hour to get to my class, which was like 1 to 4. And then I'd go to the pizza job from 5 to 11. Well, that wasn't every day, but two out of two days out of the week was I had all three things at once. So that day was one of those days. And uh, I was supposed to be actually working at the casino, uh, Harris Casino in Philadelphia. I was supposed to go get my fingerprinting because I got hired uh, a couple days before. So the next day I was supposed to go get the fingerprinting. So that was going to be one of my last days at the pizza shop because that was just an in-between job. Um, so and obviously I never got to go. But um, that night uh, I did. The night was almost over. It was about 10:30, and it was actually the last delivery of the night. And we—it was about three delivery drivers on any given night, two or three. And so we would alternate based on the orders. And the funny thing was that order wasn't even mine to to take, but the other guy, you know, who, whose order it was, whose turn it was, he went ahead. He was like, "Hey, do you want it?" And I was like, "Sure," because uh, I didn't mind. He didn't really care to take it, or whatever. So I took it, you know, and uh, it was a cheeseburger. And so I went out, this was about probably a 15 minute drive, probably 10 minutes, probably. Uh, so it was probably, it was, uh, it was a really normal delivery. Like I parked, I never double parked, especially at night. Cause I don't like to one, be in the way and two, kind of like just be out and open for re- literally for reasons that were about to happen. So I parked normally and, um, I walked over, delivered the cheeseburger to an older woman. Uh, and so this is when, you know, I'm walking off the porch as I'm walking off, I see uh, a car at the top of the block and it's to my left, but at the top of the block. And it's kind of like doing donuts, kind of like fast and furious style at the top of the block. And I see like smoking all that. So, you know, I don't really know what to think. I'm just like guessing it's too like, you know, drunk people or whatever. I don't know what to think, but I'm just like, all right, let me get out of here. So I'm walking to my car. And I get in the car and I saw the car stop as I was walking to the car. So that kind of made me nervous, but had no idea what was going to happen. But I got into my car and uh, as I'm, you know, turning the car on, I turn the lights off in the car. And uh, as I'm turning the car on, uh, I see one person in the street or in the in the sidewalk. I see the person in the sidewalk first and he's wearing like I, I see just all black. That's all I see. So I didn't see what he was wearing. I just saw all black. 
and he shines a flashlight in my car, like directly in my face. And so I kind of like use my hand to block it. And as I, you know, do that, I see another guy coming at me to my left in the street. And I see the guy in the street kind of pull out a gun. I can make that out. I see the gun, the outline of the gun or whatever. And so when I see that, I kind of go into like fight or flight, you know. And so, and what I'm about to tell you right now, it might seem like it happened within like a five, 10 minute span, because I'm going to say all these things, but really it was like probably two, three seconds, like really that fast. But um, what happened was when I, once I saw the gun, I'm thinking, all right, I'm in Philly. You know, I got like about, I think it was like three, $400 on me because it was the end of the night. I had all the day's money on me. Um, and I see two guys, one has a gun, so I'm about to get robbed. So I put the car in reverse. I don't know how I didn't hit the car in front or behind me. But I put the car in reverse, kind of just instinct, and then put it in drive to, you know, get out the spot and get out of there before I got shot. And as soon as I move forward, I kind of see, I see like, you know, what do you call it? Um, when you fire a uh, muzzle flash, I see the, you know, the the firing of the gun. Yeah, yeah. Fire off to my right. I just see it. And I just duck, right? And then first thing I feel, and I'm not, I don't see where I'm going. I'm just pulling out to, to get away see the flash and then I duck and then I feel like the, I feel a bullet pierce my leg, my right leg, my thigh. And then I kind of flinch once I feel that there's no pain. Um, Cause it's kind of, you know, adrenaline and it's like, it just happened and you know, pain kind of takes a while to set in. And on top of this adrenaline, so I don't feel anything. I just feel the impact and the, and the piercing. And then I just black out. And then next thing I know I'm crashing. What wakes me up is like the crashing, the breaking the glass, my windshield and, and, and the windows around me were breaking because I crashed into the fence, which is about probably a couple yards down from where I just was. And so I crashed the fence, grass, glass breaking all around me. So I wake up, jolt up, and then my face is like really wet. But, you know, I didn't know why at the time, but I just I couldn't see. And um, the glass is breaking and then my my door is pulled open. And then somebody's saying, police, 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 you know, freeze or I don't, I don't know if he said freeze, but I remember him saying police, like, a lot. And so me not knowing what just happened, like, all I knew was I just got shot, right? And so, and I just got shot, and police is here. So I just keep saying, please help me, I just got shot. Somebody just shot me, please, I just got shot. And then the guy says, no shit, Sherlock. And then he pulls me out the car, and I don't have time to think about why he would say that. I'm just like, I just keep saying, I'm just like, please just help me, I just got shot. Uh, pulls me out the car. And he put his knee on my back, which is why I said earlier, you know, the parallels with George Floyd. It wasn't for that long because he put his knee on my back and then he handcuffed me while I'm bleeding up my face and leg, handcuffs me. And then he puts me, he, they carry me into the back of the uh, back of their car. And they put, me the, they put me on the floor of the car, not even the seat, which, you know, still kind of irritates, irritates me to this day. But um, on the floor of the car, and then that's when I passed out. I kept saying the whole time, I just got shot. I just kept saying and repeating it because I'm just like, I'm in shock, I guess. I'm on the floor of the car, and then I passed out on the floor of the car. And they're the ones that took me to the hospital. I didn't know it was them that just shot me, so that's why I just kept saying somebody just shot me. But they're the ones that took me to the hospital. And um, I passed out on the way there. I woke up in the in the ER, in the uh you know, the, I, I don't know where, but basically I just got rolled in. I'm on the stretcher or whatever. 
And what wakes me up is the, uh, you know, somebody pulls my paints off and I just feel like the, the gust of wind just, you know, hit my, my junk or whatever. So I feel that. And I just, I remember that like it was yesterday, like the feeling just down there and I just jolt up and I'm just like, what's going on? And I was very lucid for somebody that just got shot the way I just did. So I'm very aware that I just got shot and I'm in the hospital right now and I see all these doctors or whatever. And as soon as they see me wake up, they start asking me, you know, uh, are you okay? Do you, are, do you know where you are? And I'm like, I just got shot. I just kept saying it again. I just got shot. Somebody just shot me. And they said, okay, okay, what year is it? They asked me what year it is. You know, who's the president? I was like 2014, Barack Obama, et cetera, et cetera. So what's your name? I said, Phil Holland. They said, do you know where you are? I said, the hospital. And they said, okay, yeah, you're at Penn Hospital. Um, you were just, uh, do you have somebody we can call? And then when they asked me that, that's when I kind of froze. I didn't freeze because I had my mom's number in my head, but I didn't know I mean, I had it in my head, but I just for some reason didn't say it because at that moment, that's when I thought, you know, that's when it set in, like, am I dying? Right. So I started thinking that um, and I kind of just like put myself in this like zone where I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm about to die. Please call my mom. But for some reason, I wouldn't tell the number. I just kept saying that, like, please call my mom. Like, please, please tell her where I am. But, you know, they kept asking me, kept asking me you know, do you have the number? Like, we need to call her. And I, I didn't give it to him. I just kept saying that. And then I passed out shortly after. Uh, but uh, what happened was my girlfriend, I don't know how, but my girlfriend at the time, she, I guess she saw it on the news because a lot of people said they saw it on the news, saw my face on the news. But she somehow, you know, learned what happened and she called my mom and my mom lives in Jersey at, Jersey at the time. So she's like two hours away. So my girlfriend calls my mom after she finds out. And my mom's, my mom's story about how she learned about how she reacted to it is a whole separate story of its own. But from what I can tell you, you know, she woke up, got the call, and then she heard my girlfriend say, Phil just got shot. And then she went back to sleep. She hung up and went back to sleep because she thought it was like, she, she didn't think it was a joke. But Sorry. But she just thought, like, she was just asleep. So she, my girlfriend called her again. This time she was crying, screaming, like, Phil just got shot. Mr. Dead, Phil just got shot. So my mom was like, what? And she explained to her that, you know, basically he just got shot. He's in the hospital. He needs to come down. So my mom, you know, long story short, she gets up, gets everything together, you know, gets her husband, you know, they drive down. And for me personally, the worst part of the story for me, whenever I think about all this is the fact that my mom called the hospital while she was on the way, you know, as soon as she got in the car, my dad's stepdad's driving, but she calls them. All they can do is confirm that I got shot in the face and leg, but they can't tell because they're working on, they're doing surgery. They can't tell me what's going, they can't tell her what's going on. They can't confirm anything because they don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, this is what happened. He just got shot here and there. So, you know, for me, the worst part is the fact that she had to drive, you know, I think it was an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, you know, knowing that her son just got shot in the face, but not knowing whether he was alive or dead or not. And if he's alive, hopefully he's alive. But then if he is, like, he has a hole in his face. So, like, what is what even is going to happen? Like, how is he? Is he even going to talk? Like, you know, coma, like what's going on? Like, you know, for, so for me, I can't imagine, you know, a parent and I wasn't a parent at the time, but especially now having a daughter. And it was crazy to imagine sitting in the car for two hours, not knowing whether your, your child is, you know, alive or not in those circumstances. So but um, anyway, when she got to the hospital, um, she she uh, obviously rushed up to where I was in my room. Uh, she ran into like a lot of media was there, you know, news reporters and all that. Uh, while she got to the room, or before she got to the room, she spoke to the police chief, and uh, she was wondering why the police chief was there. And that's when she found out that, you know, it was police that did it. 
and uh, the police chief explained that uh, they were responding to, well, the police that, that, you know, that shot me, they were responding to shots in the area from where I was at. And the description of the guy was a, I think it was like a six something, six, five or whatever guy wearing a black hoodie or something like that. And I happened to be, you know, wearing a black hoodie. Uh, I was wearing a black button down under it, but it was cold that night. So I had a black hoodie on and I was wearing all black, but I'm like five, five. So I'm not nowhere near six, whatever. So, but besides the height difference, you know, apparently I match the description or whatever. So, uh, but, uh, so that's apparently that's, that's all she got from the police chief and, you know, he apologized or whatever. Uh, but, and the media was there. She didn't want to talk to them. She was just kind of like trying to get to me, obviously, cause she didn't really want to think about anything else. So, uh, when she got to my room, uh, and this picture's on my Instagram, but when she got to my room, all she saw was just me laying there, just wrapped up. Cause I was out, I was out for about a day or two. So my face was just like all wrapped up. Cause what they had to do was just like, first of all, cause what happened was, you know, when I pulled out this, I, the bullet that hit my face, it just knocked me out. Like I didn't even know what happened. So when I woke up, when the car crashed into the fence, that's what was, I was feeling like blood just pouring out my face. I didn't know why or what was going on, but bullet had hit like right in between my eyes um it was right next to my left eye and it kind of entered right there it bounced it hit the front of my skull bounced around and then landed at the bottom of my right of my right jaw and it was Ugh. stuck for years and i got it taken out later on but um so when i got to the icu or to the to er they had to basically like because they described it they said my nose or my the bridge between, you know, my nose and my eyes was like just flat and just bloody and broken. And that's how they could, that's the best way they could describe it. And um, so they had to just, you know, whatever they did, I don't, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what they did or how they did it, but you know, they did their thing by the grace of God, you know, all credit to them to, to Penn Hospital, but they did, you know, a great job considering uh, what happened and they were able to construct, you know, put my nose back up and do the best they could. And so, so yeah, um, so my, when my mom walked in, that's what she saw. Um, so, but a, a day later, they took the bandages off, and she saw. And I, again, all these pictures are on my Instagram for anybody listening who wants to see, and you guys too. But um, when they took it off, my face was swollen. You know, I had a bandage on my nose to kind of like keep the swelling from going up. And um, so yeah, she. The first thing I woke up to was my mom sitting there, you know, standing next to me, and I had a tube down my throat. So. At first, I couldn't see. Like, first of all, before I even get to me waking up, I woke up, but I couldn't see because my face was so swollen. So I could hear, you know, them talking. So I started moving, and my mom, I could hear my mom reacting, like, hey, Philip, are you okay? And so, you know, I kind of started motioning because I couldn't speak because I, I had a tube down my throat. And so I started, you know, motioning to kind of write, to kind of communicate. So they ended up getting me, like, a little... uh dry erase board or whatever and i had a marker and so i was kind of writing blind and so you know i asked them you know what happened and that's when i kind of got the the scoop on you know the fact that the police are the people that just shot me and the thing is if this had happened you know last year two years ago three years ago five years ago even this would be way different because we've seen it happen so often with different people you know different genders different states different a bunch of different ways we've seen it happen but when mine happened this was 2014. Um, when Eric Garner happened, this happened, Eric Garner happened in June or July, I believe. And Mike Brown and John Carver happened in August. Mine was in April. 
And Trayvon Martin happened in 2012. That was before that, but that wasn't police. So at the time, mine wasn't, when, when it happened, me and my mom or my friends or everybody around me, we didn't really see it as police brutality at the time because it wasn't really something that had been happening or something we'd been seeing in the news the way we are now. So that's why my mom, when the media was there, she was like, I don't really want to deal with that. Like, we didn't really see it as this thing. Like, it was just two cops that had just made a mistake. Not a mistake, you know, but, you know, whatever, an accident, whatever you want to call it. Um, So we didn't really see it that way. So, but I found out it was the cops that, that and um, he was just asking, like, you know, I, I don't know, like, how what I asked, but my mom told me that I've been shot in the face. And that's when I was just like, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't know what I wrote, but I was just like, how? And she explained to me how I just got shot. The way I just explained to you guys, she explained to me. And, uh, you know, that explained why my face was so swollen and why I had the two down my throat because, you know, everything was just like messed up. Mm-hmm. And um, not to be funny, but a funny part of this was like the playoffs were on at the time. So I remember the Rockets and the Blazers were playing. And so my mom got mad at me. She, she, I wrote on the thing, I was like, can you tell me what happened during the game last night or two nights ago, the Rockets Blazers? I remember she got mad because she was like, Philip, you just got shot. What are you talking about? And I was just like, can you just tell me who won the game before we move on with this? And so they looked it up and they told me who won the game because I'm a huge basketball fan. So, um, so the the next day, uh, the, I ended up taking off the bandages, um, or taking off the, 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 the tube. And that was like, they had to really just pull it out of my throat. And about as uncomfortable as you think that is, that's how it was. Oh, God. Uh, and Question then, real quick. My fault. To interrupt. Um, you, you said that with all that that happened, well, um, how long did it take you to recover? Like, what was the recovery process like? Like, well, um, yeah, after, after I got all that done, I was in the hospital at Penn for one week, exactly seven days. And then they moved me down to like a rehab facility, and I was there for exactly seven days. So all together, before I went home, exactly two weeks, 14 days. I remember that. Tuesday, Tuesday yesterday. So that was just like, go on, Dave. No, I was going to say, but that was just from the hospital, right? How long did you really feel like yourself again? Like, like did it take a couple months, or did you really just, like, try to get yourself back together just immediately after? Because you already the were... Therapy, like... Um, it depends on what you mean by feel by, feel my... Like, if I was walking within, like, five days, because I got hit in my femoral artery. And that's like the, you know, the major artery in your, in your leg. And they had to do an emergency surgery to kind of, they almost had to amputate it, but they had to basically cut open my, both sides of my legs to let all the blood out from the injury. Cause the bullet pierced through, but the blood wasn't like coming out, but it wasn't enough out the two holes. So they had to like let all the blood out. So I almost couldn't walk again, but I was walking within like five days and, uh, and after that, Besides that, my eye was kind of, and I have something else that I'm dealing with, like my eye, and I'll get into that later, but uh, obviously my right eye is kind of messed up from, you know, being hit in the face. And to this day, that's something I'm still dealing with to an extent. But back then, it took me probably, I mean, I'm not really sure. It was, I, I never, I never, physically, I'm okay, especially now, like, especially considering what happened, like, I'm walking okay, I can... You know, probably do a cartwheel now if I wanted to. Um, but right, mentally, 
That's Men- good. It's it's a whole yeah, mentally it's a whole different like that's a whole different subject. Um it's not that it's that bad. It's just like, you know, after that you kind of think differently, move differently. Um, you just think of things, everything just kind of changes. So uh I'm I'm still the same person in some ways, but obviously after that, combine that with growing up, you kind of, you know, change a lot. So I mean to answer your question, probably I guess probably really a couple of days i was really watching basketball in the hospital i had my ps4 or ps3 in there i had my friends come up we were playing 2k like i was in the in the hospital bed i had my because the sunlight was like really bright for my eyes so we were in there playing 2k sunglasses on face swollen playing with the clippers because that was my team at the time in 2k not you know in real life but team to oh. play with i was just playing i was i was it was whatever i was worried about school and um you know my rent you know where i was staying at well, my mom said not to worry about that, so, you know, because everything will be taken care of. But mm. uh, So I, I want to speak a little bit to the psychological aspect of it all, because I know you're not the same no more. And like, you know, if you didn't know who you were beforehand, like whoever you were before, I can imagine something like that. You recognize the, the before and after effects. So like, was there, I want to say, like, did you like go to like any like, um, treatment groups or any or any therapy anything like that to kind of help you learn how to deal and cope or i about a year after it happened because obviously my mom a lot of people around me suggested it a lot and i didn't want to because i didn't feel like i needed it because i felt like you know whatever i can talk about with a therapist sorry somebody that's paid to, to to listen to me i can talk about with my family it was mostly about, you know, why it happened, you know, why, why the way I did, considering how it hit me, you know, uh, and just stuff like that. So, uh, but I did go to one about a year later, but I didn't really, I wasn't really feeling it. Wasn't really, didn't feel like talking about it too much. Like I talked about it, but I didn't really want to, I wasn't really into it. And what about, what about now though? Do you feel like now, like, you did you um what about the physical and mental when when it comes to mental and emotional trauma that you experience do you think that you're able to get through it the same way just without any help or do you think that it still reflects that you still have to really deep dig deep within in order to get through it like i was gonna say time i didn't feel like i needed it and i tried it and i didn't wasn't feeling it but um now because i've i've been to way now in the past two years and now I can see that back then I should have gone and and really, like you just said, dug deep and like really, whether it's change therapist and just try to find the right one, I should have just really went into it because not, you know, dealing with that the way I should have and, you know, trying to just deal with it myself was not the right way. Like I can, to whoever's listening, I can tell you like nine times out of 10, I want to say 10, but nine times out of 10, Therapists might seem useless or like, you know, they're being paid to listen to me or whatever, but it's not really about and after having unpacked, because it, it affected, you know, relationships. It affected, you know, my mood a lot, you know, a lot of different things. Things that if I had, things that I've taken care of now, that if I had done, gone to a therapist or found the right one back then, that I, a lot of things would have gone differently in the past, you know, four or five years. So. 
Um, I've gone to some and it's helped a lot. And so, yeah, I, I should have gone to some back then, but I didn't right away because I didn't feel like I needed to. I, pre- I appreciate you speaking to that, my man. And you yeah. did talk a little bit about your mom um, uh, specifically because, like, you know, everything that she had to, like, experience on her way to see you. Um, and I know you don't feel comfortable talking about it, f- like, from her perspective. But, like, besides your mom, were there any other immediate relationships, like, that were affected by this incident? Yeah. Um, I had uh, I had two sisters, two little sisters. So, they obviously, they were... You know, they saw it on the news because um, they were they were in Philly, but they were living with their dad at the time. And so because we have different fathers, but they saw it on the news. Uh, so I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, they told me, but I forget now how they reacted or what they thought. But they were there in the hospital when I first woke up. Um, my girlfriend at the time, obviously, she she to this day, she still, you know, talks about it and still you know, affected by it because we're still friends now. Um, I have friends from high that I went to high school with that like one one close friend that I just found out recently like she was in London and she was calling like the hospital like blowing them up trying to find out what happened telling me that they were actually getting added to her like oh you know this happened like you can't we can't you know tell you anything and she's a journalist so she was actually able to figure out some things but um, yeah she she was you know affected by it because it was just like you know somebody she knew that because I, I wasn't in high school i wasn't somebody that was i wasn't loud like i was pretty not quiet but i was like to myself i was pretty chill laid back i wasn't like in the streets by any means so you know uh it's kind of like for that to happen to him it's just like wow why him not that anybody deserves that not to say that it's just like it's almost like you know like that's the quiet guy or that's the cool guy why him you know so she was affected by that and i've gotten that a lot like i've i have a couple posts that i have in my phone people saying like you know phil like he was this or he was that why would it happen to him so a lot of friends that told me like they were affected in that way um so uh and i can only imagine friends that i haven't talked to in a while or since then that were because i got a lot of messages on facebook and instagram at the time uh that i haven't even some of them i didn't i never even opened <laughs> that I regret not opening because Instagram, I have, I have, I made a new one back in July because I deleted the first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, why? But um, I just was off social media for a while. And uh, um, but anyway, to answer your question, yeah, mom, sisters, some family came by, a lot of friends came by. So, well, that's what's up. Let me ask you this. And I should ask you this at the beginning. Hold on, real quick, Dave. I should have asked him at the beginning. What do you want to call go. this incident? Cause like we calling it the incident. I don't necessarily know if that's something you're comfortable with. Uh, yeah, I call. You know, I actually, my friend Talia that I was just speaking to recently. She, I, I was, I called it an accident, and she was like, "Why do you keep calling it an accident?" And I'm just like, I don't know, because it's just. I I use the word incident. I say accident. I say shooting. I use a lot of different things. It depends on how I'm talking about it or what I'm saying, but. I mean, like I said, at the time, I didn't see it that way. But after have, after seeing it happen, like I said, Eric Garner, then Mike Brown, John Crawford, you know, Tamir Rice. And I could obviously, Philemon Castillo, I could obviously go on for like five minutes, literally. After ha- seeing it happen 15, 20 times over the past six years, you know, I, it was a case of police brutality. Um, um, like I said, man, we're blessed that you're here. Like, because honestly, listening to it now, like, um, it sounds like a combination of like... Uh, 
like uh, what's his name? But like you said, George Floyd, and I would say John Crawford. Yeah, and the, the, the crazy thing about all of this, though, is that at least the fact that he's still able to talk because if he, the way that you think you got shot in your mouth, like usually in the face, you're you're very you're very fortunate in an unfortunate way. Like it's crazy. Um, let me ask you this though: it, you said back then you thought it was an accident. You was like, "Damn, like you know, it's an accident. They made a mistake. You know, things happen." What changed that aspect, and how do you feel about police now after everything that happened? Sorry, I'm glad. So, um, okay, so what changed for me, it was a combination of, so one, when I was in the hospital, after, you know, I, was, I opened my eyes after like about four days, I, my eyes were open for the most part, I could speak. I started, you know, and, and the funny thing was my phone, I asked my phone, my mom said she took my phone, they gave me they gave her my phone and she opened it and like blood poured out when she tried to take the battery out because it wasn't turning on. Took the battery out and all this blood poured out because it was in my pocket at the time. So they got me a new phone. So, you know, when I get my new phone, the first thing I do is Google my own name because my friend was telling me they saw it in the news. Meek Mill had, you know, put me on his Twitter. He posted me or whatever. So I start Googling my name and I see an article. And in the article, it says that the police, the, the, the officers that shot me, said to the news or whoever that they had announced themselves and that they had told me to freeze and told me to stop and that they had flashed their badges. And this is me in the hospital, my face holding reading this. And I'm just like, no, they didn't. Like, I got shot in the head, yes, but I remember to this day, every day since then, I remember it like it was yesterday. I can recount each step of that night. Glad, thankfully, not it doesn't haunt me or anything, but I can I can remember it very clearly how it happened and like i just told you what happened and at no point did anybody because it was quiet it was a quiet night and no point did anybody tell me to freeze because if i had if i had any inclination that it was police that were approaching me i had nothing in my i didn't have any drugs no weed no alcohol it wasn't on anything i did nothing I had, I had no reason to run from police the way i did from them like i did so if they had i would have stopped but i found out later on that they had hoodies on at the time they had black hoodies and shorts on, both of them. I didn't know. I just saw all black. But they had black hoodies on and khaki shorts. And they, there were witnesses there that said that they didn't have their badges on when it happened, that they witnessed the whole thing. They didn't have badges on, but they had them on after the police and backup came after everything you know, went down. And they, they, tried, they tried to approach them and give their statement, but they were shooed away. So um, it was that, seeing that, seeing that lie in the article in the hospital, I was like, wow, why are they lying? It was that. It was seeing it happen in the news, especially Mike Brown. Mike, when Mike Brown happened, I was obsessed with that for, for the longest time. I would Google his name every day because it just obviously hit so close to home. And then seeing the cops and the way it was handled and seeing them get off with Tamir Rice, too. And, and then John Carver, just you know, seeing it happen in the news so many different ways. It was that. And then the third thing, I don't want to go on too long, but the third thing was when I did my deposition, um, I'm sure you guys know what a deposition is, but for those listening who might not know, it's when, you know, you give your statement, they they kind of, you know, have somebody recording and you kind of give your statement as to what happened for the official record for the for the case or whatever. And so the cops did the, the cops that, you know, shot me, they did their deposition. And so I did mine afterwards at the same building. So when I got there, they were there. I didn't know they were there at the time, 
but basically they tried to be there in the room when I tried to give it my deposition. And my lawyer was like, you know, no, we're going to reschedule. We don't want them there. Why are they trying to do that? They're trying to intimidate him or whatever. So we found out that there was no legal precedent that they couldn't be there. So, um, so the second time that I gave my deposition, they were there and I passed by them. My lawyer walked in later on and she asked me if I was okay. I said, yeah, why? And she said, because they're here. And I was like, who? And she looked over, she pointed over to them. And I realized it was them because, you know, she kind of, the way she did, I was like, the way she motioned, I could tell that what she, what she meant. And so I kind of looked at them, kind of saw their faces for the first time. And then the, the, what happened was when they walked into the elevator, because she kind of let them go so we wouldn't be in the same elevator, obviously, for obvious reasons. I made eye contact with one of them. And when they got in the elevator, it, it's kind of like, I don't want to say it was like a movie, not to dramatize it, but. I kind of like looked at the, one of them in the eye. I don't know which one it was, but stared at him in the eye because I'm just angry. Combination of feelings in, in my head, just like, you know, angry. Stared at him and then he kind of stared right back at me in the eyes. And then we kind of stared at each other as the elevator, as the, as the doors closed, just stared at each other, like just intense. And in my head, after the doors closed, I'm just like, he really has the nerve to like just stare back at me, knowing because he knew who I was. Because my lawyer said they, they were kind of looking at me and talking about me as, as she passed by them. So uh, I did my deposition with them in the room. And long story short, fast forward, when the case was ending, I they wanted to end it, kind of, kind of, you know, pay pay me off or whatever, and not go to trial. And I wanted to talk to them directly. And my lawyer said that wasn't a good idea because during my deposition, when they were in the room, she saw them and they were kind of like, not giggling, but they were kind of talking to each other and drawing and doodling on you know just kind of like goofing around in the corner and so that kind of told me that they didn't really care about what they did um i told you guys what they did what they said to me when they pulled me out the car after shooting me uh, i told them that they, somebody just shot me and they said no shit sherlock and then they handcuffed me as as they you know i mean all that it was just like they obviously don't care about what they did so you know um they say not all cops are bad i believe that but you know obviously you can't sit there and say, like some people think that cops are infallible or that they're they can do no wrong. And uh, I mean, hopefully, those that are listening are smart enough to know that's not the case. And I, I don't want to say people that think that aren't smart. It's just it's just that's not reality. Like a lot of cops, we know they're crooked cops, but there are also cops that, you know, like for example, the cop that you know killed George Floyd, like. You know, for those that for those that saw the video, you can literally see him sit there and put his knee on his back, literally without a care, like staring out at everybody in the crowd. It just, was like I don't care, just I don't care. And the guys just even I don't care. I, I got this one. This is my conquest. And it's just like I mean, I could talk about that for an hour, but yeah. But that, <laughs> let me ask <laughs> let me ask you a couple more. Um yeah, let me ask you this one. Are there any initiatives that you're currently working on? And based on what happened to you, like, you know, what do you think needs to change about police procedure? Well, two different questions, but <laughs> I don't want to, because that's something I could, I don't want to give too long of an answer. Um, but when I, when my case closed, part of their, part of the deal, besides the payment or whatever, was for them to change their procedures and how police are trained in Philadelphia. 
know, I don't know if they did that or not, or how how well they implemented it, or how far it went. But obviously, you know, there was a recent one in Philadelphia too in the shooting. But I don't know how how well they did it. But obviously, we've seen it happen in different states, and um, a lot of like something we see a lot happen is just the trigger happiness, or just just how willingly or how quickly police officers are are to to to, to kill. Um, and um, I, I've been told, or I've read, and I've I've done some research, and there it seems that they're because I'm trying to choose my words carefully. It seems that they're trained to kill, to shoot first and ask questions later. And I've there's had, a lot that goes into that. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> it goes, it runs deep. I'm trying to like keep my thoughts streamlined so I don't like go off into a tangent. Um, so they're trained to shoot that, they're trained to kill. And my thing is, I understand it's either them or you. When I say I understand that, I'm not saying I agree with that, I understand it. My thing is, in the cases we've seen, right, for example, Fulano Castile, that's one that I go to a lot because that was just, he had his daughter in the backseat and he told the cop, hey, I have a gun in the drawer and I, I have a license to carry. And basically, he got the cop was sitting there, sitting there shaking, and ended up shooting him because he couldn't handle the fact that the man had a gun in the car, and that was the whole thing was caught. Just the the, and I'm not I'm not an expert on how police are trained, but I just feel like I'm trying to be careful here because I'm trying to be fair. It's just. Okay, I'm going to use the recent example, the one that happened to Philly, Walter Wallace. That's, I think that's the most recent one. It happened in October, a month ago. He mm-hmm. had him, and the cops, you know, were backing away from him, and he had a machete. His mom was behind him, holding him, and he had him swing the machete around. And they were a couple yards, a couple feet away. They had guns out, and then they shot him, right? So my thing is, and I, I, I'm pretty sure you guys have heard this, probably said this yourselves, or have seen this, a lot of people say this. You know, one... Why not use tasers? Because they have them for a reason. Like I'm not. I don't want to sit here and beat a dead horse. Because I've I've heard the taser argument so many times, and I don't say argument because it's, it's valid. I agree with it. Like you know, you have tasers for a reason. If a man has a machete, because that's not something he can like shoot you with, obviously. So why not taser him and incapacitate him, and put him down that way instead of killing him? That's one. And then two, if you have to use your guns, let's just say you don't have your tasers or whatever the case. Why not? shoot them in the legs or you know in the feet or whatever because no grown man is going to sit there and get shot in the legs and then keep walking like nothing happened unless he's on something else so why not do that instead instead they shoot him several times in the chest or whatever and then kill him so i'm surprised you're nice enough to actually still think there's still some good cops i'm actually because all they, against once they put on that uniform is over yeah, you guys asked me how I feel about cops now. Um, to answer to answer that question, the way I think, I mean, it's just like, you know, a lot of people think I'm like, oh, fuck the cops or whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't say that. But it's, I'm kind of in the middle of it. I'm kind of in the middle of the fence. Like, I'm not gonna sit there and like shit on all cops. Sorry for the language. I don't want to crap on all cops because I, I don't believe that all cops are bad. It's just that there are so many bad cops. And I don't, I'm not going to pretend I know the ratio, because how would I know? 
But obviously there are so many bad cops or cops that are willing to kill that it's just, I think, I feel like if I was a cop, I either would have quit a long time ago or I would have made a name for myself, not on purpose, obviously, but just for putting out what really happens behind the scenes. Because from what I hear, a lot of it is intentional, which goes into why I was being so careful about training, about why they should change about how they're trained, because I don't know if it's intentional about, you know, them killing African-Americans, because I've posted on my story on Instagram, like a lot of times I've seen like three videos now of white people. There's one in particular about this guy, like he even gets to a pose with a machete, like he gets to karate pose. He's swinging the, 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 the machete at the cop and the cop uses taser. I don't, I don't know if I'm mistaken, the, the, the theater for, I don't know if I'm mistaken, them, but and when one of them, the guy is swinging the machete and the guy, I think the, the guy, the cop shoots him in the legs or whatever and doesn't kill him. Another one, the guy has a knife and there's several cops, they use their tasers and they kind of just swarm him and jump on him and, and get the knife away from him. Point being, we see that there's multiple ways of taking somebody down that has a knife or whatever the case, if you think they have a knife or whatever. So my thing is, and we all know about systemic racism, or not, not so we all know, but Systemic racism is a thing. So my thing is, I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's intentional, uh, but what should change is the way cops interact with African-Americans. Because, again, this is a whole other subject, but but, but um, we can go into literally, you know, things like Jim Crow, Jim Crow laws, or how police were originally the origin of police, you know, what they were originally founded for which was to catch runaway slaves. We can go into that. Or we can go into, you know, for example, the the, the war on drugs or, or how, you know, cops are literally, you know, and, and anybody listening can look this up, how cops are literally trained to go into certain neighborhoods where African-Americans are predominant and target them because African-Americans are usually, I don't say usually, but in certain neighborhoods, they're going to have, you know, less money. So a lot of them are not going to have insurance on their cars or might not have licenses because they might be, you know, whatever. You might find those case, cases a lot in those neighborhoods. So they're trained to not only go in those neighborhoods and look for those for those people and target them. But when they pull somebody over, intentionally, you know, push them into a certain behavior to get them into the situation where, you know, they can arrest them. And get their quota or get that case or get the get whatever they're looking for like they're trained to actually target those people so you're preaching to the choir brother we've yeah, had, we had know. this conversation against yeah. folks that are disbelief about this whole idea that you know no cops are just there to serve and protect and they are like i'm not going to sit here and say cops should not be there period because i'm not going to say that me having been shot by cops i'm not going to sit here and say we should delete cops period like cops are necessary but the whole defund the police thing, I'm with that because not take all money away from cops, but I mean, it's just like we see the cops in the streets like with tanks and like, you know, they got the super secret weapons and all that. And it's just like they're supposed to serve and protect. And I mean, here's a whole another subject, the whole black and black crime argument. It's just like, <laughs> first of all, you know, black and black crime. Wherever is, you find poverty, wherever you find extreme poverty poor health care and poor educational exactly. systems you're going to find crime and then do we have to go into uh, we can get into why african-americans are so you know a lot disenfranchised of say it again 
that why black people are so disenfranchised. Right, right. I was, yeah, exactly. I was going to say we can get into why that is, but a lot of people want to deny the history of America and why black people are in that position to begin with. Like, uh, we can get into that, and I know we don't have time for that now, but it's just like, and that's the re- part of the reason Yo, why. whatever you want to come back? Yeah, that's because <laughs> it's like, that's a whole nother subject of, of my story, not just what happened, but just what I've learned about, because when this happened to me, I didn't know anything about America, or, or I knew about slavery and obviously, you know, stuff like that, but just things like, for example, just randomly, the Oklahoma City bombing in Tulsa, the bombing there the black wall street bombing just stuff like that like literally just just black people literally being put down purposefully like i didn't know about all that and 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 a lot of people both white and some black but mostly white people obviously either deny that or don't know that so the move bombing yeah that there's a lot that no people don't know and express like i I confuse a lot of different things with one another because there's so many different things that i've learned just in the past year actually or since the pandemic started that i've you know researched since i've you know told my story and so you know it it, yeah like i said it's a lot and and um police brutality is just like it's a small symptom of a much larger issue and when people ask me where i think the solution is Unfortunately, I have some negative issues on whether racism can be solved and whether it's going to go away. Um, I think there are some steps, but it's just it's so ingrained into American culture and the way of life for a lot of people that it's not going to go away anytime soon, unfortunately, especially. And we've seen since Donald Trump was like, thankfully, he's not. Now, I can say now, he's not president anymore, but since he was elected, we've seen, you know, a lot of people come out their show and say what, how they really feel. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you guys haven't asked me yet, but as far as what we can do to, to kind of fix the issue, it, honestly, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm in the process, like, I just started talking about this story and kind of really delving deep into it. I do not have the answers to it because um, it kind of goes way even higher, higher up than the president. Like it goes way up to the tippity top. I don't even know what that is really because, you know, there's different conspiracy theories about what the top is. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it goes high up into the government and systemic racism and all that. Um, but obviously it starts with people just knowing. First of all, it go it, it starts with people that don't relate to the black experience or not knowing what it's like to be afraid of being shot by police or being you know racially profiled or being or being being racially profiled or you know being a victim of racial crime or you know anything like that or being shot like i did or being shot or being killed by police like we've seen you know a lot of people don't 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 relate to that leaving it or think that you know as long as you don't commit a crime or as long as you don't do anything wrong you're not going to be shot i just told you guys my story i didn't do anything wrong i was delivering pizza i was not doing anything wrong uh i, I know there's people that might listen to this to the story or that have listened to it or that i've read it and probably thought oh okay well he should have sat there and like you know i i, I don't know uh, probably i don't know what they could say but people probably going to sit there and keep denying and say oh he should have sat there and 
he should have known his police and he should have known whatever and he shouldn't try to run them over because the police said that's what they said they said i tried to run them over and that's why they, they shot at me i don't know what people could say about my story but i just told you guys mine and i didn't do anything wrong and i was almost killed anyway and i can sit here and tell you now if i had been killed they would have got away with it and it would have been a case of well, he must have done, done this and that, well, or he must have had a gun, or he must have done this and that, and that's why that happened to him. Mike Brown, we don't know what he did. I don't know. I don't care what he did. Whatever he did with the, cop, the little tussle he had in the window of the car, whatever they said happened, I don't care what he did. He didn't deserve to get shot the way he did from the back, running away from the cop. But people try to sit there and say, oh, well, he shouldn't have done this and that, or they try to say whatever happened in the corner store a couple minutes before he got shot, Try to sit there and say, oh, well, he did this, he did that. So he shouldn't have done, basically, he shouldn't have been an angel in his life or that wouldn't happen to him. And I'm like, nah, like, or even Jacob Blake this past August. That's one that I don't like to talk about too much because, you know, apparently he had a knife in the car and it did tell him that, like, he, I, I saw the video, he ran away from the cops. He didn't deserve what happened to him. I don't care what happened. I don't care if he ran away from him. But unfortunately, he, he shouldn't have done that. But even that. Like, they try to use that against him and say, oh, he shouldn't have ran away from them. He shouldn't have had a knife in the car. But it's like, come on. Like, you're not going to commit. He should have been shot in the back seven times. I mean, that he should have been shot in the back seven times. Like, he has kids in the car, first of all. So you're not going to convince me that he was about to use a knife. He was, like, people try to say he was he was going to reach in the car, get the knife, and then stab the cops. Like, first of all, there's several cops around with guns, and you got your kids in the car. Like, I don't. I don't know. I'm not God, but I don't think that he was going to sit there and use a knife. And if he was, again, this goes back to the Walter Wallace shooting. You have ample opportunity to, you know, use the gun in a different way other than shooting him in the back multiple times. Now, that's again, that's one I don't like. I don't know the details of that one too much, so I'm not going to, you know, uh, I don't want to go too far on that one. But again, there's other ones like Florina Castile, Mike Brown, other ones that I can you know, go in on as much as as much as anyone can that kind of prove my point as far as you know, it, it's a it's a problem how police are handling I don't want to say just African Americans because there are cases of, you know, white people being shot by police too. So I don't want to make it seem like it's just an African American problem. But obviously the reason why Black Lives Matter is a thing is because it's disproportionate to it happening to white people or Latino people or Indian, Asian, or whatever other nationality or race you want to throw out there, it's happening a lot to black people. And if you want to ask me why, I'll refer you to America's history. And you know, like you said, you guys offered me to come back. I'd gladly like to come back and talk to that, talk to about talk about that. But for right now, I'll refer you to, you know, for those listening, research America's history, research slavery, research the origin of police. They were originally slave catchers. <laughs> research what they used to do to black people that were caught. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this is true, but they, the origin of what a picnic was, I don't know, I don't, I think this is, I think this is, this is it was proven to be not true, but nonetheless, the or, if you Google what the origin of a picnic is, the word picnic, that might not be the origin of what it is, but if you look it up, what the origin is, that concept, or what it is, that did used to happen, regardless of what, what, what the origin is, that did used to happen, you know, so look it up. You know what used to happen to black people that, that that were caught, and you know, police brutality isn't a new thing. And I know a lot of people know this. Some people don't. It's not new. And I was I would have said this you know six years ago. It's not new. 
is just, you know, like a lot of people say this now, it's just now being caught on video. It's been six years now, so it's not new now, but it's not something that's been happening for six years. It's been happening for a while. It's been happening just as prominently. Now we can record it. Yeah. So I wanted to take the time to thank you again. Uh, Phil, we, we need you back, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would love to have you back. A lot that I haven't even told you that I wanted to go into, but I know we only have an hour. So, you know, but yeah, I'd love to come back at some point. And, and Steph, we will definitely have you back on the show, probably before the end of the year. Um, yeah. yeah, the reality of it is um, you and I are pretty much aligned with our thoughts. So I was I wasn't really worried. I was like, I, I don't know anybody that could go into a situation or, or emerge from a situation such as yours and have like, a. Uh, I mean, you know, it happens. But <laughs> it, was, it definitely was not that. And one thing I want to say is the reason I'm telling my story is I regret. I don't like to say I regret because I don't I, I like to say I don't regret anything because life happens for a reason or things happen for a reason. But one thing I can say I regret is not sharing the story sooner. And obviously at the time I didn't know, but I wish I would have actually gone public with it, not to gain fame and notoriety, but just to really put it out to the forefront, especially as a survivor and me being an innocent person. Who knows if my story would have been really public? Not to say I would have saved anyone's life, but who knows if I would have changed anything. If I would have, you know, all the names we've seen, all the people we've seen die, who knows if I would have changed just one, you know. Just me having this guy in Philly just got shot by police wrongly. They did this. If it would have then it did. And my mom, not to blame my mom, but if I, if I would have been so private with it, who knows what would have been different now, you know. So that's something I regret doing and why, another reason why, part of the reason, the many reasons why, you know, I'm, I'm sharing the story now before it's too late or before because I want to just at least if I can just change at least one life or save one life or change one opinion or whatever, then, you know, that's a success. So, yeah. Once, once again, I want to thank you, Phil, for coming on um, again. Like we will have you back on, brother, and I appreciate you even telling your story and finding the courage to be able to speak about it in a public format. So I appreciate that. Um, you have been listening to, uh, to me, Jamal, I mean, yeah, me, well, Jamal's here recording, but you've been listening to me, Dave and Mr. Philip Holland. Um, so I, I appreciate you, Phil, again, for coming out. Um, and I do want you to come yeah. back. Uh, we all do. Um, and I just want to just remind our viewers or tell people out there, um, there's only been about two weeks this year that there hasn't been an incident of police violence. You can check that out right now. Um, thanks for listening to Social Justice, the New American Revolution. Um, your host, Mike, with me tonight is uh, David and uh, our special guest, Mr. Philip Holland. Thank you and have a good night. Thank you for listening to Social Justice, the New American Revolution. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for the latest episode. And if you want to be heard, email us at the socialjusticepodcast at gmail.com.